0: So, uh, my wife reminded me of a story yesterday. Uh, I know many of you have heard of Jackie Robinson uh, in baseball, the great baseball player. You know, Jackie Robinson was a baseball player before he joined Major League Baseball, um, and he was playing in a different league at the time, and he was he was a good player. I mean, he was very, very good, but he was going to play baseball for a while and go on and do something else with his life, but... Uh, 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 God strategically placed someone in his life who reached out to him and by doing so changed the course of history. And that man was named Branch Rickey. And Branch Rickey reached out to Jackie Robinson, a good baseball player, and spoke into him a word of encouragement and asked him to do something that was beyond simply playing baseball. It would be playing baseball, but using that as an opportunity to change the world forever. And so what Branch Rickey did is he asked, he was one of the co-owners of a different baseball team, he asked uh, in Major League Baseball, he asked Jackie Robinson to come to their team and to be the first African-American to play Major League Baseball. And uh, told him that it was going to be difficult. People were going to say things. People were going to persecute him. And it was going to be a hard road. But the hard road, if he would keep his cool and he would persevere through all of the difficulties, Branch Rickey told Jackie Robinson that he would then change the world if if he would simply make the decision to do this. And Branch told him, "I, I want you to do this. I think it would be great, not just for you, but for everyone coming after you. It would be phenomenal. And so Jackie then said, Okay. I will do this thing. And it was hard. It was difficult. But because he did that, he forever changed professional sports around the world because of that singular moment. A moment where he was encouraged to do something that was difficult. He was encouraged to do something outside of his comfort zone. And that's exactly what we're going to look at today in John chapter 3. So wherever you are, Grab a Bible, open your Bible, or it will also be on the screen right below where you're watching me. We're, we're going to be in John chapter 3 today, okay? It's a very famous conversation. It probably includes the most famous passage of Scripture in all of Scripture that many people who don't know Jesus know about one of the verses we're going to read today. You see, here in John chapter 3, Jesus has been ministering and doing life and doing miracles and doing teaching all over the place And people would come to him from all over the place to to see him and to hear him and to witness these miracles. But not just friendly people, not just people who needed healing, not just people who uh, wanted to see what he was saying. Other people who may have been antagonistic to the purposes of Jesus would come as well. But in among that comes this one guy who we're going to read about today in John chapter 3. So John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now there was a man. Of the Pharisees, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So this guy, Nicodemus, Nicodemus comes and seeks Jesus out. Nicodemus, it says there, He was a ruler of the Jews, so he's a member of what's called the Sanhedrin, which is the ruling council of the Jews. Eventually, the ruling council would vote to crucify Jesus. We know Nicodemus did not vote yes in that vote. He did not vote. The Sanhedrin was not unanimous. He did not vote with him on that particular occasion. But in this moment, he comes from the Pharisees, which was the political religious party he was affiliated with. He's a member of the Jewish ruling council, and it says there in verse two, he came to Jesus by night. Now this is interesting. Okay, it, it would seem possibly he came to Jesus by night because he wanted to come when there weren't a whole lot of people around, when he could access Jesus. He wanted to come at night when, when, when Jesus wasn't out doing all the miracles and, and doing all. This, when he, it could just be him and Jesus. Or maybe he came to Jesus at night because he was scared of what people would think. We don't really know, John doesn't specify in in his gospel here, but what we do know from the gospel of John, that when John speaks of things being in the night, and we're going to see through Jesus' words as well, it's not a positive thing. So most likely, Nicodemus is coming to Jesus at night because he's scared, because he doesn't want people to know he's coming to Jesus as a Pharisee, as a member of the Sanhedrin. But he's curious. He's very curious. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, we, speaking of the Jewish rulers, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees. We know that you are a teacher come from God. So this is very significant. He's acknowledging there's something special about Jesus. And he's saying, we know you came from God because there's no other way these miracles could be done unless God sent you. And so he's saying all of this. Now, we're going to point something out about Nicodemus in a minute, that he's not your typical Pharisee. He's not your typical member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, either. There's something special about him. He, he comes to Jesus and he recognizes that there's something in Jesus. And that recognition of the movement of Jesus comes from observation. Recognition comes from observation. He had been observing Jesus and he recognized, because he was observing, because he was watching, he recognized something special about Jesus, something in Jesus. He came from God, the acknowledgement that he makes there in that moment. Even though he comes to him in seeming fear, he acknowledges, he recognizes there's something special because he had been observing something special in Jesus. So, if we observe and, and try to keep our you know, spiritual antenna up, we, we begin to observe what's going on around us, and in that moment we can recognize the movement of God because God is always moving whether we recognize it or not. He's always moving. He's always doing something. He's always speaking whether we hear Him or not. And so recognizing that comes from observation, comes from special attention being paid. And, but we know Nicodemus, even though he observed, even though he recognized That God was moving. He had not yet put his faith in Jesus. Look at verse 3. Jesus speaks back to him. Jesus answered him Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, really, Jesus cuts to the chase here. He doesn't mull about in small talk, he gets right to the heart of the matter because Jesus has something that many of us don't, and that's a sense of urgency. Jesus has great urgency. He doesn't want to beat around the bush and, and, and talk about stuff that's not important. He gets right to the heart of the matter. And he says, listen, I know you want to see the kingdom of God. The only way you're going to see the kingdom of God is if you are born again. And now this phrase, born again, is odd. Okay, It's not something you know in the common vernacular like we have now, phraseology of the culture. Jesus is introducing this here. You must be born again. And so Nicodemus would hear this and be very confused. But what do you mean, Jesus, born again? And Jesus knew that he was introducing a confusing phrase into to what Nicodemus is saying, or Nicodemus' question. And so he says, you must be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God. So Jesus says, okay, fine, you want to see the kingdom of God? This is how it has to be. You have to be born again. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Nicodemus is saying, Jesus, this is nuts, okay? How can a man be born again? Enter his mother's womb again? I, I don't understand what you're saying to me here, Jesus. Let's start let's, let's to figure this out, Jesus. It, this doesn't work for my brain here. Jesus answered in verse 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Now, the flesh that he's talking about here, this is a sin nature. That which is born in sin is sinful. Okay? The rest of the verse. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So he's talking about being born again. That when you're born in the flesh, when you're born in sin, you live a sinful life. And when you're born in the spirit, you have the influence of the spirit affecting how you walk and how you live and how you interact. And so he's saying, uh, the implication from that verse is don't be born of the flesh. Don't don't live by the flesh. Don't live by sin, allowing sin to influence you. Choose to be following the influence of the spirit. Verse 7, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Jesus gives an illustration here to Nicodemus. The wind blows wherever it wishes. He says, it's like the wind. Now, we don't really have the, the similarities in our language, but in the language Jesus is speaking here, the word for wind and the word for Spirit is the same word that he's using. And so the wind blows, so he gives this illustration, the wind blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. The wind just happens. We can try to figure it out and try to, okay, where's the origin of the wind? Is there like a giant blow somewhere? How is this going? Where is it going? It's going to go wherever it goes. I mean, it's the wind. You can't control the weather kind of a deal, obviously, today. You can't control the weather. But in the same way the Spirit does the will of God, we cannot control the Spirit The Spirit can influence us if we listen to the Spirit, but the Spirit cannot be controlled by us. So, just as the wind goes wherever it wants, the Spirit goes wherever it wants. And if we are born of the Spirit, we will follow the Spirit wherever He goes. And we cannot try to reason where the Spirit is going. We cannot try to you know, pro and con where the Spirit is going and what the Spirit wants us to do. Because really, if we, if, we, if we pro and con a decision we need to make and the Spirit has already instructed us to make the decision, if we make the decision based upon our pro and con and not on the influence of the Spirit, we're making the decision based on us and not on the Spirit. We need to listen to the Spirit and his influence, not that pro and lists are bad, but if, if the Spirit is instructing us and we choose to follow our logic and our reasoning rather than the instruction of the Spirit, we're not in that moment being born of the Spirit. We're being born of ourselves and our own influence and the flesh, as Jesus says here. So Nicodemus says back to Jesus in verse 9, how can these things be? He says, Jesus, I don't understand what you're saying to me here. He says, yeah, but, but, but how is this possible? Look in verse 10. Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Now, the way Jesus says this here in verse 10, the teacher of Israel, he says it almost like it's a title. Like, like Nicodemus as a teacher isn't just a teacher in Israel. Jesus says this like it's a Like it's his official position, the teacher of Israel. He's an influential teacher of the people of Israel. And Jesus said, okay, you teach all this kind of stuff all of the time. How is it that you're not grasping what I'm speaking to you now? And honestly, how true is that for us sometimes? And we turn off our spiritual brain at times, or we get home from work and we turn off our brain and we don't focus on being in the moment and we don't apply our brain power or our spiritual power to the people in the house that we live with. You know, we, we, I, I'm guilty of this, you know. We, we just are there and, and we, we just want to veg and click off and not pay attention. And, but Jesus is, is, is trying to talk to Nicodemus in this way and telling him, man, listen. Turn your brain back on, and let's get to the meat here. Because Jesus, yes, we have this recorded for us to read here in 2021, this conversation, so it can have great spiritual impact on us, and it does. But Jesus is also speaking to the man in the moment, Nicodemus, because he wants Nicodemus to turn to God and know the kingdom of God in a powerful way. So Nicodemus, influential teacher, is being instructed by Jesus, Look at verse 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So Jesus just told him in the previous passage we read a minute ago, you can't do it with your own brain power here. You can't reason your way into this. He says, If I've been telling you some earthly things and you don't understand that, how in the world are you going to understand heavenly things? He says, It, it can't take brain power, it has to take faith power. And I just told you it takes faith power, and you're still trying to use your brain power. It's not working, Nicodemus. Jesus is saying, you just take faith in me. Pay attention to what I'm speaking to you so it can influence your life and change everything you need to be doing so you can be far more influential for the kingdom of God. Look at verse 14. As Moses lifted up the servant in the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jump back to verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So this is a reference to an Old Testament event that happened. There was poison that was going throughout the camp. And God had instructed Moses to, to, to put this snake on a stick and have people in faith uh, just look to what God was going to do for them. And he says, Moses lifted up this serpent so the people could turn away from what they were looking at and turn and focus on what God was going to do for them. And so Jesus, speaking to the teacher of Israel, someone who'd know that, you know, that event very uh, uh, well, says, remember that thing that happened all those you know, centuries ago? With Moses lifting up the serpent, the serpent was lifted up. People had to turn to the serpent in order to be saved. People had to turn to the work of God in order to be saved. He says something similar is going to have to happen here. Whoever believes that the Son of Man being lifted up will have eternal life. There in verse 15. You believe in the Son of Man being lifted up. He's speaking of the cross, of the crucifixion. Jesus dying as he will be lifted up. He said, whoever believes in the Son of Man being lifted up and dying on behalf of all humanity, then they, those people will receive eternal life and the kingdom of heaven that he was just speaking about to Nicodemus a moment ago. Uh, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Recognize that verse? Is that familiar at all? Just even the tiny, teeny bit. John 3.16, you ever seen it on you know, the eye black of somebody playing football kind of a deal? Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus speaking of himself here. And whoever believes in him, which is what he just said in verse 15, that person will not perish, will not, etern- will not have spiritual death, but that person rather will have eternal life, will have life forever. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. So really what Jesus is saying is that belief kind of it, it prevents condemnation. It prevents punishment, eternal punishment after we die. Belief is preventative medicine. It can, can do all sorts of spiritual things to us that nothing else can. It's trusting God. It's having faith in God. It's, it's having confidence in what God's going to do tomorrow, not knowing how today is going to play out. It's trusting in the Lord. And that's the point that Jesus is talking about here. He's building to something that he's about to drop on Nicodemus in these next few verses. He's building throughout all of this moment to get right to the heart of the matter with Nicodemus. He's been teaching these great teachings to Nicodemus. And he's about to to ask Nicodemus to do something personally that's going to change the direction of his life. Okay? Verse 19. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. So there must be personal recognition coming into the light and exposure before you can have personal healing and personal growth, he says there, Light has come into the world. People like darkness rather than light because when you come into the light, everything you got is shown in the light. It's exposed in the light. People like the darkness because they can hide in the dark. They can hide all that mess in the dark, not just from each other, but they feel like they can hide it from God, even though in reality you can't hide from God. Everyone who does wicked things, sinful things, hates the light and does not come into the light because his works will be exposed. You have to personally acknowledge and confess your sins to God. And by doing that, you come into the light, say, God, this is who I am. The thing is, though, God already knows. God already knows. He knows your insides. He knows your outsides. He knows who you are. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows your motivations. He knows everything about you. Even if other people make other kinds of assumptions about you and don't really know you, God knows you and knows who you are. And God is whom you need to speak to in that moment. And come into the light with who you really are, irregardless of what other people think. It's not about what other people think, it's about what God thinks. And God wants us to come to Him. Romans uh, um, 10, 9. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and you will be saved. You confess in your mouth, with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, God's Son, died, rose for us. You believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved in the same way that he talked a minute ago about those Israelites looking up towards Moses were saved. And we look to, to our Savior who was raised up and died and then rose from the dead. We look to him, we will be saved. We come into the, he is the light of the world. We come into the light and we can experience peace and hope and eternity Now, eternal life begins when we believe in Jesus. That's John uh, uh, 17, 3. It can begin now if we believe now. And so here, look at verse 21. Whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. Now, I want you to remember something. So Jesus here, these last three verses, talking about light and darkness. Come out of the darkness, come into the light. Come out of the darkness, come into the light. Do you remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus at night? Nicodemus came to Jesus in darkness. And so it really seems to be that Jesus is encouraging Nicodemus to come out of the darkness, come out of the night, and come into the light. And we can have, we can have further confirmation of this because even though here he comes privately by himself in the night to Jesus and Jesus seems to be encouraging him come out of the darkness come into the light we hear about Nicodemus in two other occasions here in the book of John one Nicodemus stands up before the Sanhedrin the ruling council that votes to crucify Jesus Nicodemus by himself tells them that they are wrong I mean this is bold After this, after this moment, after this encounter with Jesus, Nicodemus tells the council they're wrong. Jesus could quite, he is from God. He says, basically, you guys need to stop it. He's from God. And they said, who, what? You're a disciple of Jesus now? Nicodemus wasn't scared at that point. He wasn't ashamed. He came out of the darkness and came into the light. There was another moment. After Jesus was crucified, he was with Joseph of Arimathea when they got the body of Jesus and put him in the tomb. So he did that, and he spoke before the Sanhedrin. Two very public moments. Having received the encouragement from Jesus, Nicodemus came into the light. He came out of the darkness, and he came into the light. His life was forever changed. And because he did that, we are being encouraged the same way by Jesus. Come out of the darkness, come into the light. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, uh, uh, John writes there, same John who wrote this, wrote there in 1 John 1, 7, walk in the light as he is in the light. It's our job, our purpose, our responsibility to walk in the light in the same way Jesus is in the light. We are to walk with him. John chapter 8, Jesus spoke and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That Jesus is the light of the world. If we follow Jesus, we walk in the light. But there are moments, I mean, in me, probably in you. I mean, I don't know your life in depth like I know mine. But I know there are moments when I I, I kind of veer away from the light, or I try to cover up the light that I have within me. in in the way I respond, in the way I act, in the way I think sometimes, in the thoughts that come to my mind. and I don't always respond in that way of following Jesus and being in the light. But what Jesus is encouraging us, both here in John chapter 3 and in those verses I just referenced, John chapter 8, verse 12, 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 7, is that we need to come out of the darkness and come into the light because when we follow Jesus, we have been given the light of life. Jesus is the light of life, he said in John 8 there. And we need to come out of the darkness into the light because he is the light and he is within us. He is in us, in his spirit. He is within us, shining out into the world. So we have a light. And so because we have a light, we need to be a light. You have a light, so be a light. Have a light, be a light. Light and darkness are incompatible. They don't go together. They can't. It's I mean, you, you you just can't have light and darkness in the same space. They cannot coexist. Darkness is a void of light. And so if we have been placed in this earth, on this earth, and in the lives of those people around us, then it's our job, our purpose to be a light in their lives. Are you being a light in the lives of those around you? Let me give you an illustration here. I got a, I got a toboggan here. It's a very special toboggan. I've used this many, many, uh, not many, many times. We've used it uh, uh, some nights walking around the house or to you know, check our son's blood sugar when we needed some light. Or, uh, I've used it in the attic a few weeks ago when I, I ran a new uh, internet line. Uh, but it's got a little headlamp here, all right? You can turn it on. And you can see it's bright. I see Caleb on the camera covering up his eyes. It's bright. You may be in your house right now covering up saying, that is too bright. See, the thing is, if I walk into a room with this on, I'm going to brighten up the room no matter what's going on. I can't help but brighten up. Liam's covering his eyes too. I can't help but, but brighten up the room because I've got light. I have a light. I'm being a light, but the problem becomes having the light when I try to darken somebody else's life by saying something negative, by saying gossip, by, by not speaking the gospel into their life. I'm keeping them from seeing the light, from seeing in the light, from being in the light, from being with Jesus. I may have the light, but I'm not being a light to them when I do some of those things, when I say something in, in a negative tone, when I say something condescending, when I say something uh, uh, unkind in, my, in, in what I say or how I say or how I think or when I say something about them to somebody else that's negative, gossip, rumor, hearsay. It may even be true, but if it's negative, what benefit is it to the kingdom of God? And so in that moment, I may have a light, but I'm not being a light to them. Even though having the light, it should be impossible for me to speak darkness. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I know you do. Some of you have spoken that darkness to me. I know you do. I know it's there. And I've spoken it to you sometimes. But the thing is, if we have a light, we need to be a light. Everywhere. Be a light. God put you with your light in the lives of the people around you to be a light for them. To be a light for them. So you have a light. To be a light. God puts you there to be a light. Do you light up a room with hope? and joy, and peace, and Jesus? Do you light up a room with what the Spirit has put within you? Hope, and joy, and Jesus. Do you light it up? Or do you bring darkness to the room when you step in? How do you respond? How do you act? Jesus encouraging Nicodemus, be a light, man. Come out of the darkness into the light. He's speaking that same truth to us. You have a light, be a light. Come out of the darkness, come into the light and be a light to those people that He has placed within your circle of influence, within arm's reach of who you are, whether physically, right now, in your house, at your job, at school, your neighborhood, on social media, you have a light. be a light for the kingdom. For that's how he started the conversation. You want to see the kingdom of God, this is how you do it. You be a light so they can see the kingdom of God in you. Have a light, be a light. Now, we've been talking about being all in for Jesus since the first Sunday of the year. Being all in for Jesus, you know, believing. We we, we identified 10 areas that need to be in process in order to be all in for Jesus. Believing, uh, being a believer, uh, being baptized, being in a small group, spending time with the Lord daily, uh, attending church service on a consistently regular basis giving financially using your spiritual gifts being advocate for the work of God everywhere and then and then telling people about Jesus and making disciples being a gospel giver and a disciple maker if you're not doing all 10 then you're not all in for Jesus if I'm not doing all in then I'm not if I'm not doing all 10 of those things in in some you know progressive way, if I'm not working towards them, then I am not all in. Me, as the pastor of the church, if I'm not doing them, I am not all in for Jesus. I can say it all day long, man, I am all in for Jesus. But if I'm not telling people about Jesus, if I'm not being a light to them, then I'm not all in. If I'm not being a light in their lives, I'm not all in. If you're not being a light, then you're not all in. But imagine what God can do with a people, with a church, with a with a region that is all in for him. Imagine what God could do with that. Imagine how your family would be. Imagine how your workplace would be. Imagine how the the grocery store would be. Imagine how our interactions would be different when we're all in for Jesus because we have a light and we begin to be a light in the lives of everyone around us. Man, what would that look like? Let's be all in for Jesus. Let's be a light in the lives of those around us. So the first question you have to ask yourself is, do you have a light? Do you have the light of Jesus in you? Do you have the light of Jesus in you? And if you don't have the light of Jesus, this is it right here. This is what it's all about right now. Just as Jesus was calling Nicodemus out of the darkness into the light, this is that moment for you. This is it, okay? Well, you have to, all you gotta, you don't, you don't have to you know, be perfect the rest of your life. You don't have to be perfect the rest of today. You don't have to be perfect the rest of this hour. All you have to do right now is believe. Believe that Jesus is God's son, that he came to this earth and died so all your sins would be forgiven. And then he rose from the dead so you can live after you die. That's it. That is the gospel message. Gospel means good news. That is the good news that he brings to us today is to believe. That's it believe. And and if you want to believe right now, click that button right below me. Come out of the darkness. Come into the light. That's the first step. Click that button. Say, I made a decision. I want to believe in Jesus today. And you put your phone number there. I will call you today. Sunday, February 14, 2021. I will call you today. If you say, I need to know Jesus today. We'll take care of it right here, right now. You believe. You believe in this moment in Jesus. You believe. Allow him... To bring the light of life into your life and give you eternal life. So that's the first question you've got to ask yourself. Do you have the light of Jesus? The next question is will you be a light? Will you be a light? Whose life will you brighten up this week? Whose? Whose life will you brighten up this week? Think about that. Whose life? Who, who will you interact with this week? Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your neighbors. Maybe it's the person at the grocery store. Maybe it's the, the checker at, at the gas station. Whose life is God sending you to or sending them to you? Whose life will you brighten this week? Will it be everyone you interact with? That's what it's about. We're supposed to do that, yes. Will you brighten their life today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, this week? Will you be a light for them? You have a light. Will you be a light?